Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. Amen. I'm so excited for tonight. The first time I actually ever preached was here the first time we did Future Nights. Um, That was like, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago. Um, But now I'm back, preached a couple times. So maybe I'll last longer than 12 minutes. We'll see. So, um, amen. I'm so glad that my family is here tonight. So glad my grandpa, grandma showed up. Amen. And um, let's go ahead and get into the words tonight. The verse that I'm going to be reading out of is 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6 through 13. If you guys want to go ahead and turn there. 1 Samuel 16, verse 6 through 13. We're going to stop at 13. So let's go ahead and start. Starting at verse 6, it says, When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on the appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. If you have your Bible, you want to underline that right now. Underline that verse. Verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Verse 11, Then Samuel said, Jesse, are you all, are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he has a ruddy and had a beautiful eyes and, with him, and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And lastly, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And let's go ahead and enter into prayer. So, Lord, we thank you for, Lord, moving here tonight already, God. Lord, prepare our hearts, our minds to receive the word that you have prepared for us, God. Lord, I pray for there to be freedom, God. Lord, a fresh anointing over the people here tonight, God. Lord, healing, salvation, deliverance, Lord, breakthrough in this house. Lord, and have your way here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the title of my sermon here tonight is David the Lonely Cowboy. David, the lonely cowboy. And before you come to me tonight, I know David watched over sheep. Over sheep. I know he was a shepherd. But we're going with David, the lonely cowboy. Amen. So who here likes watching movies? You guys watch movies? I watch movies all the time. You guys watch movies? Everybody loves movies. But uh, I, I certainly, movies definitely have um, a thing in my heart. When I was younger, I used to watch them all the time going on long trips to uh, my grandparents in Kentucky, I would measure out time by movies. I'm like, okay, it's six hours. That's, that's like three movies. And so we would have three movies ready before we would leave because I know by the end of this movie, we're almost home. And so, and so now being in college, I've now taken uh, three film classes just as electives because they're fun. And I like getting to, I, I think movies is, is almost, well, it is an art because you got the director, you got the actors and the characters that you can maneuver, you can write and, and write different storylines. And, and it's just a piece of art. And, um, and so I thought that was so interesting. And the main, 
thing, uh, the first genre that was ever made in the movie industry was Westerns. Westerns, isn't that cool? Maybe that means something. Um, but Westerns, and the fascinating thing that separates Westerns from a genre from everything else is that it actually has two main characters. And if you look at the picture, there's the cowboys. But what, what is the other thing that stands out? Is the beautiful scenery in the background. In Westerns, the scenery, the background, the location plays such a huge role in the movie that it is considered a second main character. I think that's so interesting. I think that's so cool. And I feel like David, out of anybody in the Bible, can relate so much to the cowboy. The cowboy, the typical one in the movies, is someone who is lonely, someone who is who is um, out on the road, like the Lone Ranger. He's out on his own, facing the wilderness, and, and he's out to defeat the bad guys. He's out to rattle, to, to corral the cows, and he's out, out to do something good. And then growing up, I used to always want to be a cowboy. My grandpa, I remember, he showed me um, Cowboys by John Wayne. After that, I used to always want to be a cowboy after that. And David is, can be a cowboy because he's out there with the sheep on his own, having to defeat lions and bears, and he's going through all the stuff. And then we go on later into his life. What is he doing now? He's fighting armies of Philistines. He became the king of Israel. Amen. And so, and so we know that David was alone uh, the majority of the time. And so let's look at the first part is when David was in the wilderness. Before he was anointed, before he became king, we could see that David was overlooked by his brothers. We could see when Samuel called for Jesse's sons to see who he wanted to be king, David was not there. David was an afterthought. David was not in the mind. Samuel saw all those brothers and he picked every one of them before he picked David saying, this is the one. This is the king that I want to have. But that's not what God had because God did not look on the outward appearance of, hey, this guy's tall, he's strong, he's got a good stature, this is who I want. He saw David's heart. So let's look into Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 3. We're going to read this, go more into the wilderness. It says, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Verse 2, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has let these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed, with, fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. So in these, in these verses, you could see three main things that God wanted the people of Israel to take away out of the wilderness. The number one is to humble them. God sent them through the wilderness for 40 years to humble them. I think this is very important that a lot of people overlook. So humble means having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's importance. It is lowering yourself. If you think that you're humble, then you're not humble. That's what R.T. Kendall says. And so God is wanting us to realize that there are going to be some things in our life that we cannot do on our own which is even tough for me because I like to do everything on my own. I want to do everything on my own. I want to do it my own way, exactly how I like it. But there are some things that I've had to go through in life that I realized that I can't do it on my own. And I had to, I had to rely on God in order to carry me, 
carried me through. And that was such a hard thing for me to learn. But man, what a difference it has made now to realize how to rely on God in every situation that I have, that I've been through. And then number two, it is to test you. David was put through a series of tests and trials throughout his life. And you can read that throughout uh, the book of Samuel, first and second, and the Psalms. So let's go ahead and look at 1 Samuel 17 through 31 through 37. I love this part. This is probably the part that people think of whenever they hear David. Verse 31, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep from his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by a beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Man, what a mighty man. What a, Just awesome. And so David we could see before David went up to the giant, Goliath, he's already been through a series of battles, through a series of fights, fighting lions and bears. And in our life, we can see that God will never put us through a situation that we cannot handle. And that God will never put us through a test or a trial that we have not proven that we can go through ourselves. Amen. And as we could see that, as, as in the movies, the cowboy always wins always wins. Why? Because the writer and the director never puts him through something that he will not be able to carry through. And just like God is our author and he is our director in our life, he will never put us through something that we cannot go through and that we will not be able to win. Amen. And but you, So how do we get the strength? How do we get this power? And you do not build strength or make it through a trial by just motivation, but it requires discipline. Here lately, I found myself um, listening to podcasts a lot lately, and um, I, I would listen to it whenever I, I'm at work, whenever I'm driving, whenever I'm running, whenever I'm going to the gym. I always listen to a podcast, and uh, one thing that I heard that stood out was by a man of David Goggins. Anybody heard of him? Probably not, uh, but awesome man. He was a former Navy SEAL. One thing that he always pushes is discipline over motivation. If you are going over motivation, you will lose. You will not go far, but it is discipline that will carry you through. Motivation is going to Thursday, hearing Matt preach an awesome word, and then you go home and don't do nothing else. Nothing else. You cannot live a life, a righteous life, and you cannot live a life as a strong Christian if you're only basing off motivation of somebody preaching. But it's discipline. Discipline is something that you do even when you don't feel like it, which is tough. And so discipline is setting aside time throughout the day, throughout the week of praying and reading the word, even if you don't feel like it. It's okay if you don't feel like praying or reading the word. It's okay. You're not, you're not alone. 
I mean, sometimes you're tired. Sometimes you're exhausted. I mean, but we got to learn how to discipline ourselves. And then Cameron Haynes, another awesome guy. He's uh, probably one of the world's best bow hunters. He uh, just bow hunts all over the world. He's very famous for that. And he just wrote a, a book here lately called Endure. Endure, which is, um, which is just a compilation of stories of him out elk hunting, hunting these, these huge 7,000 to 1,000 pound um, elk with huge um, antlers. And what he talks about is him being out in the wilderness, out in the mountains, and how much he has learned, how much his character has developed, how many things um, he has gone through in the wilderness. But he said he, he would have never been the man he is now if he didn't have to go through some of the stuff he went on the mountains. He was hunting out with a man, and the man fell off of a mountain. His best friend fell off of a mountain. But he says he never regrets it because that has changed him. And now, now he, he has learned to be strong. He has learned to be a man. I mean, so let's look at Romans 5, verse 3 through 5. It says, not only that, but we, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. We, there are going to be times where you're going to go through a hard trial, but it is through that where your character will be developed, where you will have endurance to be able to keep moving on. Why? And with what? With discipline and with staying strong in the word and in prayer. And thirdly, we learn in Deuteronomy is to see where your heart is. Where is your heart? And then David, even through the tests and trials, was known as the man after God's own heart. We see that Paul says it in Acts 13, 22. It says, and when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. And then as Christians, we need to learn how to be a man after God's own heart, how to be a Christian after God's own heart. And so how do we do that? How do we be a person who is chasing after God, who is after God's own heart? Well, we already talked about it earlier. It is by prayer, and it is by staying in the word of God. Romans 12 says it really good. One, verse 1 through 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but he transformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so the more that we give ourselves to God as a sacrifice, the more we consecrate ourselves, the closer and the more we become like Christ, the closer we get to him. Amen. And so how do we become a a man of God's own heart, we got to learn how to sacrifice. We got to learn how to consecrate ourselves, humble ourselves, direct our heart towards God, and give our and give our life to God, and constantly be on a chase after Him. And then, secondly, we see that David was anointed. In verse thirteen of the first scripture that I I read this tonight, it says, "Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers." And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went up to Ramah. 
we could see that when David was anointed by Samuel, the, this power of God rushed into him. And so we could see what does the anointing represent on David in the Old Testament. And even now it represents authority, it represents power, and it represents the Holy Ghost. And so David went from before being anointed to just fighting lions and bears after he is anointed. Now he's fighting armies of Philistines. Now he's fighting giants. He went from just being a shepherd of his father's flock to being a shepherd of the nation of Israel. And then we can see that there is a necessity for the anointing in our life. It is not something that we can just overlook, that we can just bypass, but God is wanting to pour an anointing over your life that provides power, that provides authority over your life. Amen. It is something that we need, not just want, not just maybe need. Amen. And God didn't set us on this earth to just merely stand to get saved and then to just go to church every day repetitiously and to stay in one spot. But God has sent us on this earth to spread his word, to spread his word. It says, go into all the nations and preach the gospel. And then we got John going to Armenia. We got a group next week going to Guatemala presenting the word. We got a group going to Nicaragua in July presenting the word. Amen. And so we got a group to Alaska presenting the word. What is this? We're following the word of God. We're not just staying dormant in a spot, but we are moving forward and doing what the Lord says. Acts chapter 10, verse 37 through 38, it says, You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. This is what I want to focus on. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then just as Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, so are we. Amen. So are we what? To not to just sit in our seats at church and do nothing, but to go out and preach the gospel, to heal the sick, amen, to deliver uh, the captive. Amen. Not to just stay in one spot. There's a French word. It's kind of hard to say. Um, Can you say that? Can you guys say that? It's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. What does this mean in English? This means the feeling of not being at home in a foreign or different place or a change of scenery. And you can have this feeling even when at home. Isn't that interesting? And then John 17, 16, we see that it says, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Ephesians 2, 17 through 19, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off. And peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household. When you gave your life to Christ, you gained citizenship up in heaven. Amen. And so you should be having that feeling of Depis Samon saying that I don't feel like this is my home. This is not where I'm staying at right now, but I know I have a home in heaven because it is dangerous to be comfortable as a Christian. When you're comfortable as a Christian, that's when you become lukewarm. And then God says, cold or hot, but lukewarm, I will spit you out, paraphrasing. And then so living a life that is just comfortable and dormant is not good. That is not what we want. 
Amen. But I believe here tonight, this is what the Lord has put in my heart for here tonight, is that God is wanting to sit and put a fresh anointing on people's here on people's lives here tonight. God is wanting to pour a fresh anointing on the people that is that is being comfortable, that is sitting dormant, that is feeling at home. Amen. God is wanting to pour a fresh anointing. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 15 through 20. I know I'm reading a lot of word, but I'd rather God speak for me than me to speak for myself. Verse 15, it says, Then Nathan went up to his house, and the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. David therefore sought God on behalf of the child, and David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of his house stood beside him to raise him from the ground. But he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day the child died, and the servant of David went afraid, were and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How can they say to him, The child is dead? He may do himself some harm. Verse 19, But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said, He is dead. Now this is what I want to focus on right here. Then David arose from the earth, washed, and anointed himself and changed his clothes and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He then went to his own house and when he asked, they set food before him and he, and he ate. As some history to what just happened here, David, his closest servant, his closest um, warrior that he had, he began to like his wife and he, David sent out the warrior out to battle onto the front lines and had him killed, and took his wife, and they had a baby, and God did not like that, God did not like that, and so we see that God um, punished him with killing the kid, but we see that David got past it, and it said that David got up and anointed himself, amen, so I'm talking to the people here tonight that may feel like they have lost the anointing, you feel like you've been going through life with a dormant heart. You haven't been able to feel God the same. You haven't been able to worship just the same. You feel like you've lost uh, the fire that you had inside. But I'm here tonight to tell you that God is ready to pour a fresh anointing over your life. To reignite the fire that you, had, that you once had. God is ready to move in your life tonight, right now. Hallelujah. Amen. And we could see in the Psalms, I love this so much, this part. We could see in the Psalms, David would use the word selah. What does that mean? It means pause or break. We could see it used in Psalm 60, verse 1 through 6. It says, O God, thou hast cast us off, thou hast scattered us, thou hast been displeased. O turn thyself to us again. Thou hast made the earth to tremble, thou hast broken it. Heal the breaches thereof, for it shaketh. Thou hast shewed thy people hard things. Thou hast made us to drink the wine of astonishment. Thou hast given us a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth. Now here we go. Selah. After that, that thy beloved may be delivered. Save with thy right hand and hear me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and Mete out of the valley. Amen. David uses the selah after He's complaining, God, why don't you, 
why don't you do something about these people that are against me? We, they've been doing all these bad things. Then he says, sell, and he starts giving praise to God. And then sell a break. We, there are things in our life that we need to bring a cella into our life. The situations, the hard things, the trials and the storms. God is wanting to be the cella. God is wanting to be the breaker in your situation here tonight. And then you're complaining about this situation is going on. This situation is going on. But let God be the cella in your situation. And then let him pour a fresh anointing on your life. Power and authority on your life to defeat the situation. That you're in. Amen. I didn't plan to be closing tonight, to be long tonight. So, Jess, if you want to go ahead and get on the piano. Amen. In closing, we need to learn that even when we're alone, even when we feel at our weakest, even when we're stuck in the wilderness, I mean, we need to know that we are not alone. We are not the only character in our story. Hallelujah. Amen. But God is wanting to pour an anointing. He's wanting to give you power. He's wanting to give you authority to take control over what your situation is, to defeat the giants in your life, to defeat the bears, the lions, the things that seem bigger than you that you think you cannot do. God is wanting to give you the power to defeat that. Hallelujah. Amen. And in the situation that you may be in right now, I mean, I believe God is wanting to be the seller. He's wanting to be the breaker in your situation, saying that you are not alone, you are not weak, for God will give you strength. And so let's go ahead and stand up right now. Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church. We love you, fam. The best is yet to come.